Hey, good morning, everybody. My name's Chad. I'm going to be your virtual pastor for today. Um, wherever you are, if it is Sunday morning or if you're watching this later, I'm very confident in the Lord's ability to reach you wherever you are and whatever you're going through. Uh, there's a lot of coping going on. Uh, my wife and I were talking about this this week. People are trying to get through um, and I mentioned last week, and I've probably said this many times, people ask me, how are you doing? And, and usually it's a, depends on what day it is or what moment of the day. Um, many of us trying to find something to maybe distract us from the reality of what's happening in the world. Some of it works. Uh, other times our emotions slip through and people maybe see that we're frustrated or anxious or worried. You know, isolation, quarantine, civil unrest, accessed only through our screens uh, is a recipe for people to pop. And we've seen it. And sometimes we feel that as well. And we need more than us to handle this, don't we? And I know we keep saying this, but it's one of the reasons we come together is because of how much we need Jesus. We need to do more than cope. So how do we do that? I know we lead you every week, at least we try to, um, to the Word of God. And one of the areas in the books of the Bible that I love, especially for this time, is the Psalms. Uh, they're songs written uh, by people. Uh, there's a transparency to the heart and soul of the authors that assures me that I'm not weird <laughs> for how I'm feeling, the stuff I'm going through. You actually see that in the words that people are writing, um, the anxious thoughts, the fears, the desires, the longings. I read these words and I feel at home. I feel like, hey, there's somebody who gets me, who gets 2020, who understands COVID-19 and all the stuff that's happening. This book the Psalms in particular, takes walking with Jesus out of the stuffy, distant, and even echoey chambers of religion. And it brings it down to the sweat and dirt and blood of everyday life. That's what we need, isn't it? We don't want God just on Sunday. We want to know what he's like on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. We need him right in front of us daily, uh, one of the cool things about the Psalms is that they also slice through uh, the alleged formality of walking with God, where we feel like we have to sit up straight and behave. And it actually says, no, let me give you something tangible to grab onto, something that's real life for when you receive devastating news of somebody that you lost, or maybe you get that health news that you didn't want, and it's not good news. Uh, maybe you're watching things crumble maybe a job or just overall anxiety, it gives you something tangible to grab onto. Psalms remind us that God is not wringing his hands up there going, what am I going to do with this mess? Nothing has happened like this before. How will I handle this? That's not our God. Psalms remind us that he's in control. As Mariah said, he's on his throne. He calls us into a deep relationship and we have a God who is loyal, faithful, full of love, hope, steadfast when you feel finicky and fickle. He has oceans of grace and mercy when your soul barely ekes out a drop of compassion or faith. 
I read a really interesting article this week. I'm going to show you this picture. It's old. Uh, the Sony Walkman came out in 1979. You may recognize the style because if you like any of the Marvel movies, uh, the uh, Guardians of Galaxy, Peter Quill, the hero in there, carries around this model. It's the original 1979 Sony Walkman. There were only 30,000 made because the guy who invented it thought this is such a risk. Nobody's going to want this. People were used to listening to music in groups. They gathered around radios. They gathered around these huge stereo consoles in their houses. They listened. Nobody did this. And what's interesting is it became a phenomenon. They sold 2 million in the first year. And one of the reasons is people liked the idea that you could block out the world. You could be walking and one person said it was the first thing where you didn't have to meet somebody if you didn't want to. And not that that's a great thing, but just for work with me for a moment, thinking about the fact that people were walking in this world and seeing stuff that was going on. And they're like, you know what? I don't really like this. I'm going to put on another soundtrack. One of the owners uh, at CBS Records, Susan Blonde, told the Washington Post in 1981, she says, it's like a drug. You put the Walkman on and you blot out the rest of the world. So in a sense, you might see and experience life and it could be troubling or difficult. No problem. Just change the music. Put on another soundtrack. The Psalms are the soundtrack of the Bible. The Psalms are meant to be the soundtrack of our lives, but we're listening to other soundtracks. And this morning, what I encourage you to do is to put on the soundtrack of scripture, to hear God's songs, the music to our history. And just ask you the question, can you hear it? When you read the Psalms, and we're going to read one in a minute, can you hear it? Not just understand the words, not just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's same old church stuff you've always talked about, Chad, or the stuff you've heard your whole life. Can you hear it? Can it change your perspective the way you're looking at life? The way when you put on headphones or AirPods or whatever, and you put your music on and you're doing your workout or your walk, you're like, I can do this. I can do this because of what I'm listening to. It's changing my mood. It's changing the way I feel. This moment needs this song because I don't want to listen to the real song that's being played by whatever, COVID-19, whatever it is. Are you waking up to the truth of who God is and his words? This morning uh, I woke up and I wake up with the truths of God's word many times in songs that have been written in my lifetime or older. Sometimes they're hymns, sometimes they are older vintage songs. I mentioned last week a, a new album by Shannon Chain that came out, Vintage. Um, and I woke up this morning with this lyric, knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness. Over and over, I was on a loop, I was getting ready, coming into work, driving, studying. You're my all, you're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. Do you wake up with his truth in your ears? Can you listen, truly listen to the soundtrack of scripture? What I also love about the Psalms is that, yes, they were read aloud and sung in groups, but usually they were written in the secret place. They're written in this place of hurt and anxiety and struggle and people wanting to hear God's voice and then through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, working through the authors to give us something real, something tangible. So this week I was doing my daily uh, 
rollerblade around Lake Winona. If you've seen me out there, uh, usually I come flying by and I've got AirPods in, soundtrack of life, uh, just listening. Usually I'm listening to podcasts, reading a book, whatever. Um, but I was praying. I was listening to some worship music and I was asking the Lord about you. I was asking about me. And I asked this question, God, what do we need to hear? What do we need to hear from you this week? And what do you know, a phrase came into my heart. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, I wish I could tell you that I was such a scholar and that I have so many verses memorized, but it's not really true. They're kind of like fragments, more like pieces of glass or shrapnel that have just embedded in my heart. And every once in a while, I feel this, oh, what is that? There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And I have to Google the rest. And that's what I did. I was like, what is that Psalm? Psalm 46. That's the soundtrack I want to play for you today. And I feel like it's one that I needed to hear, the anxieties that I had, the stuff that was going on in my heart. And I pray it's the same for you. And I'm just going to pray real quick for us. If you feel comfortable, open up your hands and let's ask God to use Psalm 46 in our hearts today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that even though the music plays in the world and it seems to tell us one thing, your word truly supersedes, oversees all other truth. It is the one lasting truth. And I ask today, God, that this song would begin to play in our hearts and in our heads and that we would have its words and its truth on our lips as we think about you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, I encourage you to open it to Psalm 46. Uh, your phone will work. You can also just look at the screen. You can also close your eyes and listen. Psalm 46, verse one, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Not just help, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then there's a musical term there. Usually you pronounce it Selah. And it's just, it means pause, reflect and think. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to think about those first three verses. Listen to this language. Though the earth give way, mountains be moved into the sea. It's kind of scary. It's waters roaring and foaming, though the mountains tremble. The author, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is creating a vivid word picture of a massive, even catastrophic event. Difficult things happening. You can't get any bigger than two of the biggest things we have on earth, mountains and the ocean. There are no greater things to describe. The mountains are the biggest thing we have. The ocean is the next biggest thing. Actually, the ocean's bigger than the mountains, but you know what I'm getting at. Highest height, deepest depths. These are the big things of the world. And so the psalmist says, hey, let's go big. Let's talk about these things. If you think about mountains, they're big. <laughs> they don't respond well to us saying, let's move you a little bit so we can build something there. No, we adjust to the mountain. We have to find a way around the edge of it if we're going to do a road. Sometimes we'll do a tunnel through, but that's a lot of work because the mountain doesn't want to move. We like solid ground. There's a reason if you live next to the ocean, you pay thousands more in insurance because the ocean's dangerous. It's unpredictable. It can flood your house. It can take away what you own just like that. And so you're going to pay thousands more just to live next to it. 
the psalmist says, these are the big things in the world. These are the things that will speak to my heart. They'll hopefully speak to your heart because what he's saying is, if there's the greatest thing that can happen is if mountains could be thrown into the sea, if the ocean could overtake everything. The movie 2012 uh, came out in 2012. Um, I think I've got a picture here to show you, painted a, a really wild picture, kind of very specific even to this Psalm. And you can just see it there, these landmass just like falling into the ocean. It's a wild, crazy movie, basically the world ending. And they come up with this crazy plan. They're going to build these arcs. Hmm. Interesting. Wonder where they got that. And you can pay like a billion dollars to get a seat on the ark and they have to pick the people that should survive and shouldn't. It's it's crazy. But I think it's a great picture because what's happening in a second, everybody moves from their life as they know it to, oh, the world is ending. The psalmist is saying, that's a pretty big picture, a pretty big image. And so I'll use it. Mountains and ocean. But this our world isn't the movies, is it? It's just real stuff. And the psalmist is wanting to say, this is real. This isn't just symbolic. At some point, this all reaches a climactic moment in history. And that history finishes with God's return, which means that whatever's happening down here is going to be pretty crazy. (laughs) Stuff's going to be happening. Maybe some of the things that we're seeing now cool thing though is he doesn't just say, look how bad this can be. He throws you a life preserver, throws you something to grab onto. <clears throat> and it's good to read this in reverse. Sometimes the psalmist begins with the greatest truth and promise and then lists all the problems. I think it's good to read it in reverse saying, though the mountains fall into the sea, though the ocean gets crazy and things go nuts, we're not going to be afraid. You know why? God is our refuge. He's our strength. How can this little section of three verses be a lifeline to our hearts right now? What's something you can do? And I just want to give you a practical thing. Just show you something that I do when I'm reading. I will grab onto a phrase. And sometimes it's not the one you think you should. It's, it's sometimes a, a little in-between moment in the verses. And the two words that caught me were though, the, and then fill in the blank. Though the, and then you put right there in that blank, whatever is consuming your mind right now, fill it in with coronavirus, fill it with cultural unrest and upheaval, fill it in with your health, your finances, your marriage, your job, the election, fill it in with a wayward son or daughter, fill it in with worry or anxiety, no matter what happens, though the, there it is. God will be a refuge. And you may say, okay, I'm going to need a minute. And do you have extra paper? Because I got lots of things to put in there. In fact, I've been filling in those blanks for a while. And usually it's with four letter words. (laughs) It's not things where I'm saying promises or believing something good. I'm just upset and hurting and worried. And it can seem like a diagnosis, almost like, hey, here's problems. God is our refuge. There you go. Take it home. Can't you experience that? Isn't it great? And it feels like just a diagnosis. And maybe uh, if you take this medicine, it might work for you. We'll see. If it doesn't, come back and visit me again. How does truth like this, God being a refuge and strength, move down, like we said, into something tangible? 
something that's in the sweat and the dirt and the blood and not up here in this religious kind of, I don't know what that means. How can it become real? Because what I really need is a down to earth, true life experience of Jesus being a refuge. And I agree, the mountains do seem to be sinking and I feel like I'm hanging on for dear life with the waves pounding me. I wanna know him, experience him, even feel him because that seems like true hope and a certain future. So how do I do that? How do I get there? Let's look at the next verse. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation, the dwelling place of the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. But the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And there's that musical term again, Selah, which just says, hey, think about this. Think about this. There's a river. That was the phrase that came to me. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. He changes metaphors here, which kind of happens often in the Psalms. And now it's a city even a country that's under siege. Ancient cities depended on walls and towers to protect them. When opposing forces would come, they would build siege mounds. So imagine massive wall, you know, 50 feet, and we can't get up, we can't use ladders, we'll just shoot at us. And so they would just start piling dirt and rock. And sometimes it would take a couple of years to basically make a ramp to get over the wall. And so you're inside the city, and what are you doing for two years? You're watching your enemy build a ramp to come and destroy you. What can you do? Stop it. Don't build that ramp. You're just watching it happen. You're hoping somehow it won't work for them. Hezekiah was a king of Judah in the 8th century BC. He was living in Jerusalem and they knew an attack was coming. The Assyrians were literally building siege ramps. And so some of the things that those nations might do as well would be not only to attack eventually, but to cut you off from resources and supplies. And so we'll starve you out. We'll make sure that you die of thirst and hunger. And so Hezekiah knew this and he knew that they would have to do something drastic to make sure they were gonna have water. The water source was just outside the city walls. And so Hezekiah said, we need to cover that up and we need to dig a tunnel underneath the city of Jerusalem. And it was like 1700 feet. So a little over a quarter mile so that we can have water. And I'm gonna show you a video and you can, it's a little crazy because I'm in this tunnel in Jerusalem last year about this time with a bunch of people. I don't like tight spaces. I, I don't like dark, you know, just one of those. And so it's a little crazy. You can hear me right at the beginning. I think I say, oh my word. Um, so just watch it. It's like 30 seconds to get, give you a picture of what it's like. So I was doing my best not to freak out in there because it was, I was just like, 
because, you know, there's no going back. You got all these people behind you, you have all these people in front of you. And we had our phones on. Other than that, it's pitch black and you just hear this water running. But it's impressive. It's an impressive engineering feat that they pulled this off in that time period because some scholars think it probably took them over a year to build it. But the result was a secret source of water. So the Assyrians are building the siege walls and they're gonna, we're gonna starve them out. They're gonna have no water. And all along, they've got this secret water coming in the middle. And it was very symbolic of what the psalmist is saying here too. God was with them. He was with them. Sent an angel, uh, eventually wiped out the Assyrian army just like that. But in order to get that water into the city, the preparation and the time to make sure their primary source of life would be accessible was immense. Daily time underground, chiseling away at the rock, two years, 1,794 feet, a little over a quarter mile deep underground. And the way they did it was they had one team on one end and one on the other. And a lot of them, they still can't figure out how they actually met. No GPS, no way of knowing where they were, but somehow they met and they kept chipping away until eventually they could hear each other's hammers to break through. I think it's a beautiful picture of what this is supposed to look like for us as individuals, where we are hammering away in our time with the Lord and the sound of our chisel beating away into the bedrock of God's truth. We hear someone else's, we reflect back and forth. We dig deep for the truth of who God is. Our hammers meet in the bedrock of his grace and love. And so when the siege comes and it has never been more evident than now that it's coming. If you know anything, you're just watching stuff happen. You know, no human willpower or best ideas or whatever will ultimately stop what God tells us is eventually going to happen with wars. That's why they keep happening. But we also have been given a secret source of water, a secret source of living water. And we're going to need it. We're going to need it. We will need the life-giving presence of God in our lives and his eternal word in order to not only survive, but thrive. And why is that? Because the nations are raging and the kingdoms are tottering and then it's a new one comes in its place. This will continue to happen. Make no mistake, this will continue to happen. Jesus told us it would, but all it takes is one word from his mouth to bring life to us and to utterly destroy the enemy. He utters his voice and the earth melts. Just as water brought life to the kingdom of Judah, while they were afraid and under siege, Jesus will bring life to your heart, even in a time of trial, but you do have to drink deeply from him. And God will help when morning dawns, which I read that and I was like, oh man, you mean we got to wait? <laughs> yeah, part of the waiting builds character, our hearts grow strong. And in that waiting, there's a labor for the love of God. And what does that mean? It's going to take some secret underground chiseling and labor that we will put in personally and as a church corporately to experience that love. Not, that, not to earn anything. Christ has accomplished everything. But there's a reason Paul said it's a fight. Fight the good fight. Why didn't he just say, sit back in the lazy boy of Christianity? Fight the good fight. Lean in. He says words like, I labor in Colossians 1. I labor for you and for others. 
Other places in scripture talk about pressing on to know the Lord. Are you? How is your chisel, chair time? And I, I've kind of said that chisel. How's your chair time? Because I've also kind of been saying, how's your chisel time? How's your underground work in the word of God where you're digging? Not because he doesn't want to give it to you, but because it's labor, it's hard. It's important. You get in there. Is it more tempting to open up social media first thing in the morning? Yes. It is, it's quick, it's like candy. But God says, I want you to dig. I want you to dig in my word. I want you to listen to this soundtrack. These streams make glad the city of God. He brings joy even under siege. He brings life even when death and destruction are knocking at the door. How does that ultimately come? John chapter seven, Jesus spoke about this. He stands up and he says, hey, if you're thirsty, come to me. Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He is to be your secret source of life, but it doesn't mean you don't get up and spend that time and actually look to this source. If this isn't your primary source, no one, I'm not gonna throw any guilt at you or shame you. I'm just gonna tell you it needs to be. It needs to be needs to be your primary source. Brett McCracken is a, a elder in a church and an author in California. And he, I'll have to find the image, but he did this pyramid on time spent, almost like a food pyramid, but basically a content pyramid. You know, it's at the top, the tiniest little triangle, Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, the web. It's the tiny triangle. You know what is down here? This your source of living water. If it's flipped, do you want to know why we struggle so much? We will struggle. And here's the thing. If, if you want to learn how to spend that time with the Lord, if you're like, I don't know how to do chisel time. I don't know how to do chair time. What are you talking about? We'd love to help you. We really would. And I'd love for you just send me an email, chat at pvwinona.com. I'd love to talk to you about that. We've got some classes we've done, but it's so vital and so important you must have that time with him. You cannot grow without time in the living water of Jesus and his word. But this is also what I love in the last few verses is it's not supposed to stay just in your headphones. God says, I wanna do this for you, but I have other work too. Look at verse eight. Come behold the works of the Lord. And this is interesting how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Pause, Selah. Think about this. Let it impact your heart. Take a drink. Listen to this music. Come behold the works of the Lord. I find it very interesting what works are listed here. Now, when I think about the usual list of Jesus' works, it's this. Softened heart, somebody turning from a life of sin. Maybe God brings a financial breakthrough and you were in deep need. You prayed and he brought something miraculously. That's certainly been the case in our family's life. I can tell you several stories of how we were in need. We prayed and oh my goodness, how did that happen? And we say, man, it was Jesus. Works of the Lord. Maybe you were sick, someone you knew was sick. God, you prayed, you asked for help. The work of the Lord came. He brought healing, he brought wholeness. A relationship gets restored. 
Yes, he does those things at well, but those aren't on the list right here. That's not what the psalmist says to watch and to look at the works of the Lord. Behold, the works of the Lord in number one on the list is how he has brought desolations on the earth. Gulp. What is that? Lord, what is that about? He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. You know, we live in a, a world where things are increasingly difficult. Um, violence is something we watch daily and we try to stop it. We have ways of, if we think about wars and how they've tried to stop wars, we would try to stop wars through diplomacy, economic sanctions. Maybe we'll pay somebody off to stop hurting people. We've done that. Eventually we use force. But is it always completely effective? In fact, think about World War II and the Holocaust. If you go over and you go to Dachau or Auschwitz, one of the things you'll see is a sign that says, Nie Vader, which means never again. Guess what? I saw footage this weekend of the Uyghur people in China, a Muslim group who were sitting handcuffed, heads shaved, blindfolds on, thousands of them waiting to be loaded onto trains, taken to work camps. For months now, we've been hearing from other Uyghur families saying there are millions of us missing. Never again. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. As we've talked about the last few months, we're looking for justice. We want true justice for all. But human efforts, we can't do it. Our strategies fail, which is why the psalmist doesn't even mention them at all. He doesn't even bother to say, here's what you can do as humans. He says, God is the one who can solve this. He just speaks and he stops war. It's over. He speaks and it stops. What's the subtext? Uh, you need Jesus. Your help isn't going to work. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariot. So let's do 2020 language. He demolishes every gun, IED, homemade bomb, nuclear weapon. There are about 15,000 nuclear weapons left in the world. That's enough to kill about 3 billion people. Every army, every tank, every fighter jet, every bomber, every flat gun, every smart bomb, whatever it is, wherever it is, whomever it is, he just wipes out the weapons with his voice and immediately has command over the hearts of every individual. Now that is power. Can any world leader do this? Can any country, can any rhetoric or any whatever law that's put on the books cause this to happen? No, we know this. And you want to talk about something that will dominate the news cycle forever. It's when Jesus steps onto the scene and he does this. And he speaks, true justice, true peace, true peace. What will the end result be of the Lord showing his work on the earth? Jesus will go viral. He will go viral. Listen to what he says. I will be exalted. He won't be a trending topic. Hashtag Jesus returns. Pretty cool. Two days later, whatever. New hot dog in New York, like it's not going to happen. It will be viral and it will trend forever. 
nor will people tire of talking about him, nor will they be able to control the news cycle and to say, no, no, it didn't happen. We're going to try to say something else happened. No, we need to censor that. That's not a part of our narrative. That isn't go. Truth will be on display. You will not be able to stop it. When he returns and makes everything right, it'll be a lasting peace, a joyful triumph, an eternal solution. The news will be filled with the story of Jesus' return and how he is bringing true justice. Imagine that, and I think you need to, down to earth, real, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, whatever your news outlet is, this story will be trending. The return of the King of Kings, he is calling people to account. He is bringing justice. He is speaking truth. Nobody's able to lie. Hypocrisy can't happen anymore. People can't hide behind money. They can't reinterpret the news cycle. It just is what it is. Jesus has gone viral. I needed to hear this this week for me when he said, I will be exalted, Chad. I will be exalted. I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that soundtrack going in my head. Why? Because he wins. No matter what we see on the news, what we experience on our lives right now, Jesus wins. But there's another level. I also need him to go viral in my heart. I need it to be the running soundtrack. The continuous hashtag is about Christ, not what I think about what everybody else should, should need to hear. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of that online. Everybody's thinking they got to correct everybody. And oh, there's no way you thought of this. Let me say this. Let me gang up on you with these three people against what your word. And it's maddening. It's maddening. Jesus says, you need to be viral with me your heart hearing, to know and believe that he, he can handle wars and weapons. He can handle my heart and my life. But it's also a reminder for us. This isn't about just holding on until he comes back. Be still is directed to us and to the nations to move us, to pray, to ask for very specific things. Lord, bring peace, bring justice, bring life to dry hearts and weary people that need to know you today. May I encourage you, put this soundtrack on. Let it be playing in your life over you and over the world. Let his song be the truth you believe, even while the world rages on. And don't keep it to yourself. Even if that means somebody doesn't like you or you're not fitting the perfect narrative that is everybody's trying to create out there. You speak the truth of the Lord. It will be living water finding its way into besieged hearts. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of need. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth that is your word. Um, God, I ask that that soundtrack would continue to loop in my heart. God, may we be still, may we truly be still. Honestly, may we be quiet and listen. May we be slow to speak. Lord, may the words that we share be life-giving, full of who you are. Lord, may we pick a side and may it be the side of the King of Kings. Not any other, not any other group or political ideology. Lord, may we pick you and understand that it is the only path forward. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Uh, minister to us now as we sing together. In Christ's name, amen.